0: Welcome to the 602 Club Track FM's local watering hole. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, we have a really great show for you, and I'm—I don't know if these two people have recorded together before. Can't we remember. Have. Oh, okay, have. you have. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for ruining it, John. This—the the suspense was killing everybody, and now it's gone. Well, um, I guess peace. we can wrap up and go home. So. All right. Well, catch you all later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you guys know that I can't do this alone. And I'm really glad that Christy is is feeling better and is back here in form in the 602 Club. Christy, how are you doing?
1: Much better. Thank you. And thank you guys for thinking of me. But uh, I, I'm so glad to be back and talk about this audiobook because I got to tell you, I love Dooku and I love Ventress. So I was excited.
0: I mean, who doesn't love good Dooku? So, um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And as you heard, of course, uh, you know, we have the illustrious John Mills back, my co-host from Aggressive Negotiations, and also
2: Dooku aficionado. Oh, very much so. Very much. Huge Dooku fan. I've always, always, uh, gosh, it was a very long time ago, I even wrote something way back lost in the mists called like who weeps for dooku because i was always like he's the one guy that never gets any sympathy for his his fall and it's like come on there's a tragic story in here somewhere so i was really and
1: now your time
2: has come thrillingly it's here
0: (laughs) yeah and i think i think that's really interesting is that you know i think you're absolutely right john dooku almost became like the forgotten sith And now we're really opening the book on his life, and in many ways, this book, uh, just this audio book, audio drama, uh, just to kind of guess, we'll jump right into some things. Um, But I think it it kind of reminds me of what the Plagueis book did for Palpatine back in Mm. the day. This Mm -hmm. this audio drama really does a lot of that same thing for for Dooku.
2: Yeah, it does. Um, I, I think it adds a lot of really interesting layering but at the you know at at the same time it adds layering in the sense that uh the the other work that got released recently master and apprentice that it feels very authentic this feels like i'm learning something that makes sense and totally lines up with how i felt about the character so while there are things that are unexpected there's nothing that is Unwelcome. There's nothing that is a revelation where I say, oh, well, that doesn't really work out too well. It's, it It all feels like, yeah, no, okay, this plugs right in with what I walked away with after Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, before we completely jump into Sith Lightning here, just, you know, right o- off the, <laughs> the bat, you know, we should remind everybody, you can find the 602 Club wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you know, make sure you're hitting us up with a, a star rating review over on Apple Uh, podcasts or iTunes. uh, We really appreciate that. And anybody that does that, we read your review out in the show and thank you for what you have to say. Honestly, though, too, um, wherever you get your podcasts, hit us up with a review. Let people know what you think of the show. You can find us pretty much any place that podcasts are available. And, you know, subscribe, too, because it makes sure you you get the episode as soon as it's dropped. And uh, we've got some great stuff coming out this year. In fact, uh, Christy, I don't know if you saw it, but I was like planning out some of the rest of the year and we've got some great stuff that's going to be coming up um yeah i, I think people are really going to be excited um and there will be definitely some more star wars stuff because we end well an, a saga this year too at the very end of the year so um mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be great folks so make sure you're checking us out you can find us on twitter at trek fm or on facebook at facebook.com slash trek We've got our listeners only discussion group. Maybe you would like to join in the larger conversation of everyone that listens to our shows here on Trek FM. And you can do that on the Babel Conference, which is housed on Facebook. Type Babel into the search field there on Facebook. Or you can go to the website at Trek.fm and hit discussion on any of the bars that say, uh, in, the, in the menu bars we've got on the show pages. There's a little. Uh, button that says discussion hit that and it'll let you in and then uh you can also uh, write us an email christy and i do love getting emails from people who listen uh and you can do that at trackfm slash contact choose a show and choose the 602 club and then we'll be able to converse with you that way so we uh, you know i mentioned and i made a joke but it's it's really true um john we were talking even before uh the show on the other side of the bar that this is probably one of the most dense stories that we've had, I feel like, in the new canon. Um, I, I, you know, we've had some great stuff, but, you know, this, to me, again, you know, all the, the stuff that happened in that Plagueis book, this really kind of fit in that mold where there was just so much happening. Um, and, I, you know, I felt like the best place to start was, you know, maybe the, the life and times of Dooku. Because there's a lot that goes on here. And one of the things that I thought was so fascinating was how important some of these friendships are to him. I mean, he uh, we learn he's best friends with uh, sifo Dias, you know, who he'll use later on. <laughs> um, he has a, a master that he gets a, a really close friendship with, Lean Costana, uh, who teaches him a lot of interesting things. Um, and then we find out that he has a friendship with his sister that continues for most of their lives, which kind of leads him, you know, to the path to becoming the count. And I thought this was just, uh, th- to me, um, these relationship, these friendships are, are really the thing that kind of format who duku's going to be. I thought that was fascinating.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think that, uh, Dooku as a character, um, And to, you know, to speak to your point about how dense everything is, intrigue is a defining characteristic of his character. And I think that leads to the richer stories because just, you know, what we get in the films is instantly intriguing is this is somebody who left the order. This is somebody who was trained by Yoda. And this is somebody who's leading the separatists. So, you know, even just from that, this guy's got something really complex going on uh, with his life and the friendships that you mention all are very like, I, I think they give a great ebb and flow to who he is. And I think elevate his backstory from the very, it, it would have been so easy to have this be a straightforward meets Palpatine, Palpatine turns him, he goes bad sort of thing. Like everything that's even just set up here um, that isn't, you know, it, completely resolved quote-unquote you know in terms of the book you see it setting up how complex things are going to be leading up to his introduction in attack of the clones
1: i definitely agree with what you said john and and i feel like that is what i thought especially when i thought about the the biggest turning point in this particular story in dooku that we didn't know was what would the tipping point be that got him to you know from where he was to who he becomes um and i mean we don't technically get that um fully fleshed out um until like right at the end but i do think that it's the best way to tell this kind of story is showing that it was really a long way to go for him, that he didn't start out as a terrible person and even went most of his life clearly with these really strong friendships and working with the Jedi and being a Jedi master. And a lot of things that I didn't expect to go on for so long with you thinking he's a good person. So then it really kind of makes it even more of a tragedy because you're going, wow, it could have ended up so much differently for him.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly.
0: You, you know, you mentioning that, Christy, uh, really brings to mind just how similar, and in a lot of ways, you know, his story becomes with, like, Anakin. You know, I mean, you you end up with a lot of, so uh, similarities, it, 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 he's kind of like an interesting mirror for for what Anakin will go through, and and honestly, it's it's fascinating to me because I was kind of thinking about um you know Dooku and and what it is that that kind of makes him like make that one eighty, and in many ways, I feel like it's the same thing that we really see that most Jedi end up falling because uh it was it, it just it was stuck in my brain, you know this idea that once you start down the dark path, forever, forever will it dominate your destiny. And we see yeah. that very early. It And it happens the moment that Dooku is on Soreno with the Jedi when he's an initiate and he meets his sister and realizes kind of who this is. And that that starts him down the dark. And there's even that darkness that happens there on Serenno. Um And I was thinking about this, how, you know, Dooku's kind of possessive secret relationship with his sister is that thing that continually, I feel like, chips away at his um, almost goodness like his 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 connection with with the Jedi with their teachings and we i mean y- you connect that with everybody in this book that seems to have serious issues uh throughout the book we'll get another Jedi who who has these kind of issues it's all because of attachment you know um and so you you see here why the Jedi harp on this so much because it really is the thing that helps lead so many of them that we see down a very dark path because they cannot seem to find a way to let go. And I thought that that was fascinating, you know, because his sister Genza really is the one that kind of ends up
1: being the catalyst, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it also shows that you could go down the dark side so easily That it's something that you feel bad for him and for all Jedi for that no attachment policy, because everyone wants to know their family, especially if you were taken as a baby and never got to even meet them. You know, I mean, you wouldn't remember anything. But then again, it's like you're saying, Matt, like it's technically selfishness because it's lying by omission, by hiding that from everyone in the Jedi Order. And then it's also that selfishness of, well, I don't care what they say. I want a relationship with her, so I'm going to keep it anyway. So I I see it sort of starts you down that path and then you just can't get out of it.
2: And I, I, I think what's especially interesting about that is that this entire book does a great, what I've always loved about, the prequels themselves is they have these moments that add a lot of shading to, you know, the, the later stories that we've seen before. And in this specific circumstance, seeing Dooku's life mapped out like that, like you're, like you're talking about, Christy is gives so much shading to what Yoda says in the Phantom Menace. When he says, you know, grave danger. I I see in his training, like he's, he's seeing the potential for Anakin going Dooku and it's, it's very, we've always seen sort of similarities there and everything, but to see it mapped out so precisely from, you know, from the beginning of, you know, having the attachment in childhood. Yeah. He did. He didn't grow up with his family, but at a very crucial moment in time, you know, he gets exposed to his family and, you know engendering that that missing of them and then culminating with the same sort of even though it's a different relationship, the same sort of um, evil decision about how to handle a perceived betrayal uh, at the hands of a loved one um and seeing that echo Anakins is i think one of one of the neatest things is because, you know, Lucas himself always talked about, you know, the echo, the tone poem, and you can very much see that at play here, uh, through every step. And it's, it's really fascinating.
0: Well, and and what was interesting is watching Dooku, you know, Chrissy, you mentioned this whole idea of like him saying, no, I'm going to do it anyway, which is exactly Anakin, right? Like, no, I'll do what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm special. And, and, Dooku knows that too, much like Anakin does. He knows that he is probably the best Jedi of his generation. I mean, he's like the Hermione Granger of... of uh you know, the Star Wars universe in the sense that like he, (laughs) uh, you know, she's called the best witch of her age. Like she's extremely bright. She's extremely intelligent and she's super smart. Um, and she's a super accomplished. Right. And that's exactly who Dooku is. He's the perfectionist. He's the one who always has to be the best and that has made him the best. And so, uh, and he knows it. And, and that kind of like control freak nature almost, he feels like it puts him in a special category in the moment that he makes the decision to disobey the council with his sister. He creates this, this like, um, this little world for him to live in where he is separate. He is, you know, other than the Jedi. He is better than all of them because he can have these things that they don't know about. And, you know, and it really rocks his world once that secret finally comes out. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, too, Dooku also watches other people go through this, and that's where those friendships comes in. We see Lean have this same issue with sifo you know, as taking him as her Padawan, and he turns out to be somebody who's having all of these visions and stuff, and she hides that from the Jedi Order. Um, you know, we see other people in Dooku's life do that same thing, and so I think it, you know what we see here is a pattern of disobedience to Jedi rules. Um, and it's almost, it's, it's very interesting to see that pattern here at this point in time, because it's the same pattern that we see, obviously, play out with Anakin um, and other Jedi. I mean, you, you, you think about what happens in the Clone Wars with Pong Krell, you know, and those kind of things where they just start doing their own thing, doing what's right in their own eyes. And and Dooku kind of seems to be one of the catalysts for for some
2: of that. What I would say to 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 go along with that, though, is one of the biggest questions I think that is there in the prequels that we all you know talk about is, you know, why are they so tolerant of Anakin's disobedience and not following the rules? And we've always had the easy answer, well, he's the chosen one, so they make exceptions for him. But there's a specific thing in this book where they do address that, where it's a it's a passing line. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but um, where one of the characters says something about how the Jedi are always about giving people endless second chances. And so you can see how with the right people understanding that they're going to have trouble. You know, it's the whole like sin and forgiveness thing. There's. There's an, a, mm-hmm. an acceptance and an understanding that you're a person, and you're going to try your best, and you're going to screw up, and okay, you know, try again. Let's let's get back up there. But you see how it can snowball, and with the exact wrong situation, become a catastrophically bad thing uh, for everyone involved.
1: I'm glad you said that actually, because it I feel like too it turns in my mind to someone who possibly is just never going to change when it's intentional wrongdoing because you know you're going to get forgiveness
2: yes that that's that's an excellent point how e- how easy it is to manipulate a system when you know that system backwards and forwards and and his holding on to um you know that the uh, the 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 holographic communicator with his sister and everything is, is that perfect sign of defiance that he's never going to change that's a that's a great point mhm
0: you know the the other thing that guys as you were talking i was thinking about how well this connects with um you know the prequels, and even when we get introduced to Dooku in in episode two, which, as we're recording this, it's 17 years since Attack of the Clones. Uh, I love that movie. Uh, you know, 17 years ago, I was starting my six times in one day uh, to see that film. <laughs> and so, fantastic. <laughs> uh, still love Attack of the Clones. But that's not my point. My point, as I was thinking of when Yoda is talking about how the Jedi that even the older ones have become more arrogant. And I think that arrogance is something we definitely see in Dooku that he can never quite shake that arrogance. And I think, you know, John, one of the things I really, and Christy, I absolutely loved was his training by Yoda at the beginning where Yoda is trying to get him to understand, bro, you ain't all that, you know, Mm -hmm. just chill out, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and humble yourself to know what you don't know, and that's the thing that I think Dooku really can never grasp is that there's so much that he doesn't know, and he really becomes i think um in some ways the the quintessential Jedi for thinking that he always knows better than those who have been around longer than he has, especially Yoda and I mean he even challenges Yoda quite a few times and you know it talks about how oh if i was on the council and yoda just chuckles oh padawan on the council eh you know and it's just <laughs> um i think that arrogance is what we see here and and i what i really liked about it is that i think there's a really important theme there in this book about how y- youth always thinks it knows better than experience and how experience always wins um and what we continue to see i think throughout you know the rest of the prequels is we get many many jedi who disregard the past in a way that they shouldn't you know yoda always is saying in this book let go of the past what he what he's saying is let go of attachment not the lessons of the past and there's a real fine line that most people aren't i seem i feel like getting from yoda here so just real i mean his training by yoda to me was one of the highlights because i thought it was something I would have actually kind of liked to have seen in the sequels with Ray and, and Luke, him just like making her wait for a very long time until she's ready, you know, kind of like the samurai master making the kid wait at the door, you know, month after month after month until finally it's time, you know? So anyway, I just, I'm, I'm babbling now.
2: No, 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 I, no. I, I you know, I, I think that an interesting, another echo that's interesting is we've only really seen Yoda actively, uh training Luke. Yoda's specific style has been laid out there in Empire Strikes Back. And this is a way where we can see Yoda approaching how he would approach a different student than Luke. Luke is, you know, oh, I'm the helpless little man. Oh ha ha ha. Oh, this is how you treat a stranger. Really? And that humbles Luke. But with Dooku, he takes a different approach, like you said, where he just sits there and it's like, I'm just gonna wait for you to you're so smart, fine. You figure out what I'm trying to teach you. And uh, mm-hmm. I think they're very, very interesting in that they're the same lesson taught differently to, you know, two different students.
1: Yeah. I'm glad that you guys brought that up because that was my favorite part of this book. I think that it, it absolutely shows that Dooku's biggest weakness is his arrogance and his pride, and that he always thinks that he's the special one he's better than everyone else that he's gonna show yoda and, and just the length of the descriptiveness of what he was gonna do with this tree that's been there longer than yoda's been alive you're thinking what a jerk right right <laughs> he's yeah. kind of a little turd
0: isn't he like he just like you just <laughs> you're, you're like oh my gosh this kid and but it also does kind of remind me like you know, there's plenty of times in my life that I act like that, you know, like, or I just, I think I know better than I do, and I should probably just shut up. Yeah, thank you. Um, I appreciate thank your you for honesty. saying it, Christy. I yeah. appreciate it. I, everybody, everybody's <laughs> yeah. yelling it at their, you know, podcatchers right now, so. <laughs> but I think, you know, what's, what was fascinating to, I, I, Christy, I like you brought that up, and, and John, you capitalized it on, on as well, that you know, Yoda, his training style, he clearly understands people. You know, I think a lot has been made of of, uh, Yoda not understanding uh, Skywalker when he comes to him in Revenge of the Sith. No, he clearly understands Skywalker. Skywalker just doesn't want to listen in many of the ways where Dooku doesn't want to listen here. And you can't teach somebody who doesn't want to listen um, and doesn't want to learn when they only want to hear what they want to hear. You know, and I got, God, do we not live in a world where that's the case too, where people only want to hear what they want to hear. And if you don't, they don't like what you have to say, then, you know, they'll shout you down or they'll just, you know, stop following you on social media. So, um, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, so we only live in places where we, we just have an echo chamber and, you know, I think that's something that Dooku can never quite get out of because he seems to gravitate towards the Jedi who tell him what he wants to hear like lean.
2: Yeah, but at the, at the same time, what you know, a lot of this um a lot of what's going on with the order here I think is a lot more complex and interesting than I think some of us come at, you know, because the the very obvious message of the prequels is the the system has become old and stale, needs to be wiped out, everything needs to be burned down, come back, you know, get back to basics. All all of that sort of thing. Yes. But we see an order that has much more complex uh, personalities we see i think it's actually neat interesting and proper to see an order that has so many variances in personality where you see that the jedi themselves are do have their different interests and pursuits and passions and it falls to the the jedi the jedi around them to say Hey, okay, yeah, I get where you're going, but no, this isn't the right thing to do. Like, you know, oh, I understand, you know, you want to go find Sith artifacts, and that's interesting and everything. But, hey, you know, maybe we don't need to focus all of our time. on, And, you know, and you have somebody who, you know, is spending her time doing that, saying the Sith are coming back. I'm telling you, they're going to come back. And you can see how everybody would... You know, that it wasn't just uh, the council that was saying, oh, come on, you know, it's, it's, an old, it's an old story at this point. They're not coming back, but that, you know, th- there is this um, underlying fear that can, you know, very much take hold of different Jedi about what's coming or what's overlooked or, you know, what do they need to be paying attention to? And, and you know, Sifo-Dyas is an example of how it can consume you. And and kind of drive you a little nuts even having a glimpse of that type of stuff. Yeah.
0: No, I think, John, what you're saying is that one of the things I think one of this book does such an excellent job of, which is expanding the Jedi. And, you know, most of the time I think we think of the uh, prequel order as being kind of almost monochrome, you know, like they're just all one thing. And this book really blows that out of the water to say, no, the Jedi really were what we thought they were which was there's a lot more variants there's a lot more variety there's a lot more jedi jobs than we ever really gave them credit for um and i think that's uh, honestly to me it's one of the most fascinating things we get in the book
1: and i think too it really it teaches you about how um people questioned the jedi order that it wasn't just taken with uh you know no grains of salt that the jedi were all good and that they were here for great things and that no one should check up on them i like that at points during this book you know um i don't remember which one of them was thinking about it but you know was saying like at what point does the jedi just become a tool for the senate and they're not really of any use to anyone and that kind of took me aback like wow i never thought of it that way
2: yeah Yes, absolutely. Um, and there, there's uh, paired with that so, something that I thought was a really interesting detail that was worked in in the right way. Like there's so many little details along the way that, that point to those sorts of things, Christy, that are great, where when Dooku is going to go to the state funeral, they talk about how they have to const- construct like a cover story. It's like we don't want – they basically say we right. don't want the Senate asking about why you're going there. And it's like, wow, the Jedi are watched that closely that you can see there's a sort of antagonistic relationship already set up um, because of the balance of power stuff that the people in the Senate would be completely aware that if the Jedi decided to go bad, everybody's screwed. And so, like, there, there's – it's not necessarily a – as friendly a relationship – as you would expect, Um, which Mm -hmm. makes it even more interesting that Palpatine's relationship as Supreme Chancellor at first seems to be even friendlier with the Jedi. Like, it it, it casts him in a very interesting light as to why, you know, at the beginning of Attack of the Clones, when Palpatine's playing nice, it has that shot of Yoda just, like, giving him the stink eye, like, what's, something's (laughs) not right here. That's
0: like my favorite shot from that movie.
2: Yeah. Just, just
0: when he <laughs> gave him the stink eye, I was like, man, they really nailed CGI Yoda. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I think you're, Christy, you brought that up and I think it's, a, it's so important, John. I think we even mentioned that in um, our talk about master and apprentice, like that, the Jedi, uh, you know, one of their roles seems to have become police officers, of the galaxy, instead of really following the force. And I, th- I think, you know, as you were mentioning, you know, lean doing her thing with um the Sith uh artifacts and all and and the different Jedi with their different interests and responsibilities and things what we see here is like really the Jedi being pulled farther and farther away from those ancient Jedi that you know we learn from you know some of their uh, old traditions their you know, like the meditation rap the prayer of the three all of these kind of things that the Jedi seem to have been pulled away from because their focus has not become so much the force. Their focus has become training to basically be police officers of the galaxy, mm-hmm. which is so much more about like lightsaber training than it is about force training really, you know? And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really, I mean, and, and you can see why Yoda then wants somebody to be broken down like Dooku uh, to stop being so arrogant because if you're really going to cr- try and create Good Jedi for this galaxy. They need to be more than
2: just police officers. But there's even that um, that that very interesting note where um, they're having the 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 practice duel, and somebody says, "Oh well, lightsaber versus lightsaber." Like that's ever going to happen? And, you know, like it's just it's just <laughs> a, that little because you mentioned the, how you know the lightsaber training and everything like that. It's like it it's that little hint of it's so what goes down when we get to revenge of the Sith is so incredibly weird. Like it's all, it already, you know, it's Jedi versus Jedi and everything like that. But you know, Maul showing up and then Dooku going Like it's, it's not even entertained as a real possibility that there's going to be lightsaber on lightsaber combat in their lifetimes. That the only thing they're going to, you know, it's, it's just a thing we do. It's an old form. It's a tradition.
1: It's a demonstration, but it's never going to be a real thing. Exactly. Is what they think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point.
0: What did, um, you know, kind of talking about, you know, this the whole expanding the Jedi thing, how did you guys feel about the temple basically being Hogwarts for Jedi, you know, with their, they're put into houses, AKA clans, you know, and, and, um, that they have those little clans that then, you know, then they get picked by a master. It's kind of, you know, I thought it was, it, it was honestly, it just seems smart. Like you've got to have a way to break up yeah. these, these Jedi kids, um, and, and when they're old enough to start really, you know, becoming initiates and everything. Um, but it was kind of funny to me that it was like, oh, I can see some of the different influences from some of the other franchises uh, at play in this book. And that was definitely one of them.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to go down that road, does that mean that we should entertain the possibility of getting like a Jedi version of Quidditch in one of these books at some point? Oh, that would be great. That'd be pretty interesting.
0: I, I think it could totally happen. Well, it, so does that mean that basically Dooku started off as a Ravenclaw and became a Slytherin?
2: <laughs> Wait, that are guess. you allowed to switch houses? Yeah, this—that's going to open up a whole different bag. Back- no, no, that no, no. is no, no, no. true. walk away, it's walk very away. True. Yeah.
1: But no, I—I I was totally getting that vibe too, and so was Michael, um, my husband, because it, especially when they're um sifo and Dooku are breaking into the room full of artifacts. I felt yeah, like it was secrets. just like, yeah, and <laughs> oh, like geez, Marauder's yeah. Map yeah. stuff. <laughs> and uh, I did mean to ask, too, if uh, you guys were thinking that it was a an ode to Attack of the Clones mentioning the sand so much. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I, what I think it does is it kind of, again... I think this book helps kind of breathe life into the Jedi order of this time period. And, and John, you and I were talking a little bit again before we were recording and just this idea of that this book, I think, really shows the validity of doing prequels because you can add so much to the world that you didn't know. And it, I think this book really revolutionizes what we think of of, you know, the Jedi now in that time period, but also what we think of these characters like Dooku and Yoda, I mean, really has added a whole nother layer to them, which I think is fascinating. Um, And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit with master and apprentice, but I think it gets even deeper here. We see the impact that Dooku has on who he trains. um, And that rail and Qui-Gon both kind of become a little bit more, uh, you know, Dooku is very buttoned down, no nonsense, by the book kind of guy, right? For the most part. Um, and what he trains, they become eh, quite a bit looser, you know. They, they, you know, they play with the rules a little bit. And 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 as we see, like some of the to the training with uh, Dooku and and Qui Gon, you know, we even see that almost having rubbed off on Dooku, I guess maybe. Um, in some ways, where he he does some things where he starts to start breaking some rules, you know, as he gets older as well. So I just thought it was really interesting to kind of see the way master and apprentice plays out in this book with the two people that he trained.
2: Yeah, but I think you you know it's it's also very important to highlight that um, you know while you might say oh well, Dooku was you know pretty much buttoned down and follow the rules and everything, the people he associated with were not. And so that again sets up sort of like we were talking about with Yoda, be you know why would the Order tolerate Anakin? It's not just that he's the Chosen One; it's just that that's what they do, and they you know they give second chances and stuff like that. And so you could see how Dooku's uh, Padawans could be a little bit more rebellious within the Order because he hangs around with people that are a little bit more rebellious, and so he's going to be more tolerant because he knows that those type of people can still be good. Uh, Jedi, and uh, you know, very effective and very you know positive influence for the order in the galaxy as a whole. So it would it, it would allow him to be more tolerant of individuality instead of trying to you know create carbon copy molds uh, you know across the board.
1: But then I wondered too if ha- how much of that was actually him getting more and more dark. Mm-hmm. And thus allowing more flexibility with the rules because, I mean, it definitely to me was a standout moment when um, Dooku is attacking the uh, Trandoshan, I think it was, mm. um, and Qui-Gon thinks he's going to kill him. mm and Dooku totally blows it off like, oh, that's what you thought you played into my plan. You know, mm. it was all part of the plan to make him think that I was going to kill him to get him to run back to his master. But still, you're thinking in the back of your mind, but he probably was going to kill him.
2: Right. No, that, that's that's an excellent point, actually, that he's it's sort of that uh, he's able to tell a little lie to Qui-Gon that allows him to lie to himself, too. Where if right. Qui Gon wasn't there, we probably know how that would have wound up going down. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good point.
0: Yeah, I really like that. Um, I I think I think again, there there's such a depth of all of the things that are happening in this this story. You know, I think Kevin Scott has done a really great job of of adding as much depth as possible to every single thing that he's doing in the story. And you know, it's just one of those things like you could talk about. Almost every chapter of this audiobook, you could do a whole like chapter-by-chapter analysis of it and talk through all the different things that happen, and it would be, I think, extensive because there really is so much that's being added here. Um, I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention some really interesting things we learn about Sereno as a planet mm. and the ancient Sith, because Sereno was once held by the Sith Empire, and apparently the leader of House Sorrento single-handedly, and I put that in air quotes, expelled them from their planet. Hence, they named the entire planet after the, the House of Soreno, and also made them head of all of the houses on the planet, which, wow, I this is so Game of thrones um <laughs> you know, with all the houses and them in fighting and for who's going to be the head of what, how, you know, I I was like, I was very interested in it, it. just, that really teased my interest. I'm like, wow. Uh, if, uh, Off and Weiss want to tell those stories, please do because <laughs> it would be awesome. right?
1: <laughs>
2: that's
1: right up their alley.
2: <laughs> Maybe this is opening the door for it. We know that their, their trilogy is coming up. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe this plays right into that. Maybe, well, okay, that, you know, that's a whole other can of worms to open up, you know, them telling the story of the <laughs> Sith Empire and stuff like that. That'd be pretty.
0: Hmm. Pretty well, sweet for them to have a story about the Sith
2: Empire. That would be very different. Very, very different. Uh, very interesting. But, you know. As a Sith, I would love that. <laughs> you know, but but the thing is talking about the Sith like, the thing that's that's really just so interesting is, you know, Dooku reinforces this idea. You know, Christy, you were saying earlier how, you know, we learned that Dooku didn't start bad, that it, it, it was a lifelong process to come to a point, you know, little, little bits along the way that culminate in a big dramatic moment. And mm-hmm. I think what's so interesting about this book is it builds into, and with Asajj, Learning his story along the way, you find out that there's such a uh, now. It, like it, it's going to sound almost like you know I'm trying to make a joke and I'm not, but that what what these characters we encounter, if they had just had a little somebody who could listen to them properly, or or you know give them a hug, or somebody they could really open up to that would seem to avert these sorts of um, character arcs. You know, there, there's a very tragic, painful aspect to Dooku. There's a very tragic, painful aspect to Ventress. We know that there's a very tragic, painful aspect to Anakin. And so you see that, that setup of undeniably every Jedi has a, you know, like any person has, you know, different tragedies happen. What makes Dooku, you know, we find out a little bit what makes him deal with things so differently. We find out a little bit about Asajj and how she deals with things differently. And I think that's just what's always going to be so interesting about examining these fallen characters is that it's very much built into it that the Sith aren't just out-of-the-box evil. That they are, they are people that you pity on some level because you wish that it could have gone differently for them and you you, mm-hmm. you know you sit there wondering the whole time how could this have gone differently you know what step along the way could have you know uh, subverted this
0: that it, it reminds me of uh, that because you know we mentioned earlier the attachment issue and the idea of attachment and you, again it makes me think of the clone wars where Yoda goes on his force quest and he finally has to come face to face with the attachment that he has to the darkness within the fact that it is a part of him. And by denying it all of those years, all it has done is fester and it's actually made it stronger and it's created a fear inside of him. And so one of the moments that creates the Yoda that we kind of get in Empire Strikes Back, then, then the Yoda we saw throughout the prequels and the Clone Wars is the Yoda who has been able to embrace the darkness within and admit that it is a part of him, but he gives it no power. Um, and that's the thing I feel like that for all of these Jedi, John, like you're talking about and, and, and these people who go Sith, it's like, there was nobody to turn to that they felt like they could talk to about these issues. We talked about this with Master and Apprentice. It's like we need Jedi psychologists to to be able to allow people to open up about what's going on inside because they don't know how to handle the feelings that they have. They know they shouldn't have them, but suppressing them is not the way to go. Actually letting them out and 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 Speaking their name so that they could be released is actually the way to go. Um, And, you know, we see that happen here, not just with Dooku, but I mean, Braylon has the same thing happen because she she has a child that she feels like she has to hide instead of going to the uh, Jedi Order to say, hey, this happened. I need your help. People are afraid to Mm -hmm. ask for help because they're afraid to not live up to the standard. But we're never going to truly live up to the standards that we create, so there has to be a place for forgiveness and redemption.
2: But that, I think, speaks to the pride and the arrogance. You know that that's the fatal flaw in, yes, in so many yes. of these cases. You know, even with Braylon, she's proud. She doesn't want to feel like she failed in some way, so she works to find a way to, you know, I, um, you know, Chrissy used the you know the term, you know omission. You know, I just I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm not going to say it. You know, which speaks to your your point, Matt, about, you know, speaking it and giving it a name. And so it is that humility. And it's interesting because that's the first lesson Yoda teaches Dooku is humility. And he loses that lesson along the way. And so you have to I mean I I think there's a very clear indicator that he's when he is around his his friends so to speak um they encourage it and so it's you know i i think there's an interesting layer there of how the jedi can become cliquish how certain jedi gravitate toward each other and you know so maybe that speaks to how the houses themselves aren't necessarily a good idea because you should be intermingling and switching you know it's like um You know, my kids in school, they change where they sit in the room every so often so that they don't, you know, they may form friendships and everything, but they don't become cliquish. Okay, I'm going to move you over here now. And so there's always different desk arrangements when you go in, you know, from quarter to quarter. That is really cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. And, uh, you know, I don't know how well it works, (laughs) but uh, they're trying. They're trying.
0: It is, I mean, to me, the, the most fascinating thing is, is seeing how, you know, I, I love when Dooku and Yoda are having the conversation after, you know, Braylon, everything is uncovered. And he says, she was afraid to come to us. Why was she afraid? She was afraid what we would do to her. And Yoda says, who? We would give her kindness, basically. we We would have helped her. You know, um, mm-hmm. and 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 that's so fascinating, John, like you said earlier, like the Jedi are full of giving people second chances. In fact, we actually see in the book that Braylon works very hard to earn her place back with the Jedi um, and that later on when Dooku asks for her help, she will help him but not to the point where she would go against the Jedi because she has worked so hard to earn... Um, She's been forgiven, but she's earned the redemption then. You know, she she's she's found the redemption. And so we see that the Jedi are actually very much willing to do this. And like you said, John, I think uh, really what it comes down to is is the pride that people have. It's their own attachment to their own pride that doesn't allow them to show weakness. And it makes them arrogant, which makes them feel like they have to hide things from the Order. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just... It's kind of sad that it ends up like that. And it reminds me of the fact that the the saddest story here is Assages. You know, hers is a sad story. And when we hear the the litany of awful things that have happened to her in this, it is, I mean, it's a wonder that she turns out anyway at all. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it's a treat that we get, You know, Asajj a little bit more of Asajj's story because that's a character who shows up basically in the Clone Wars. And now we've gotten her whole life story. And I've enjoyed every bit of it, finding out about her. It's been it's been a treat. I'm glad we have this piece of it now.
1: I agree. And, uh, And I think, too, that it's a really interesting way to tell Dooku's story, to have it be a series of flashbacks and flash forwards. Um, and, you know, the intermingling of, um, suddenly it being Ventress and Kai narrating what's happening with Dooku. Um, I, I just think it's so much more interesting than it p- possibly would have been just coming from Dooku's point of view, looking back on his own life. Um, and I think it adds more weight to both Dooku and to Ventress's stories because you know that both of them had some good in them and that she still, in spite of all the stuff that she's been through, seems to have some um, vulnerability and some naiveness, I would guess I would call it, to think that things might go a different way at some point and and then they never do and you feel bad for her.
2: Yeah, totally, uh, completely. And I I thought that uh, Kai being along with her on, you know, on, on her mental journey uh, reminded me actually of the show Dexter, uh, where his conscience yeah. took the form of his father. Yes. Yeah. I thought that I thought that was a very interesting sort of echo.
0: Well, and mm-hmm. I thought it was fascinating to have, you know, I, I, it made me think a little bit older, but, you know, that he's like her Jiminy Cricket, you know, whispering in her ear yeah. of, you know, the yeah. things that she should do. And a reminder of the things that he had tried to teach her. And that it was fascinating to me because in the end this whole book is really a fight for Ventress's soul. And Dooku has actually been using these journals and these hollows to seduce her to the dark side completely to make her um, give up any hope of, of um, seeing goodness or or to, to just accept the darkness. Um, And, I, I To me, that was really fascinating because the dark side is a seduction. And here what we see is a character in Asajj who has constantly been... I mean, she was... Uh, Taken from Dathomir to protect her coven. She's sold as a slave. She's saved by Kai. She finds um, a life with Kai until he is killed. And then she, you know, goes on a murderous rampage like Anakin, killing everyone until she's lured into a trap. And then, well, this was the cool part. Uh, We canonize uh, part of the Gendy tartakovsky Clone Wars by having Dooku find her in the gladiatorial ring, which was yep. great. Um, yep. And we get, you know, he hires her as the assassin. And this whole time, though, psychologically for her, she just wants basically somebody to accept her and to love her and to teach her, just like any person would, like man or woman. We, we all desire that. And she's willing to basically sacrifice her freedom to become a slave to find what she's looking for and in the end she says she's free but we know she's not free she's she's bound her heart to slavery to Dooku basically and to the dark side and it's it's such a tragic story to see that happen when she you know denies Kai what he's trying to been you know trying to tell her the whole time and she just shuts down it's 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 like you know, spiritually, when you deny the Holy Spirit long enough, they stop talking. You know, um, and that's exactly what happens with her. She makes the decision to kill Genza in the end, and she kills any hope of her being a better person.
2: And there's also For an interesting this point. Th- there's also an interesting point that Duku, when he's uh, you know breaking her finally at the end, is talking about, "Oh, you let these other people define you." you should be free. You should be your own person. And then as she's teetering on the edge and he even says, I'll tell you who you're going to be. And it's like, wow, man, that mm-hmm. like, that's just that, that whole brutal sort of thing of like, he does the exact thing that she, that he uses to break her with, um, you know, just reveals what a, you know, uh, an epic, um, psychological, um, is is going on there but at the same time you see that it's his own mental break that uh you know Sidious is able to take care of because when he steps away from the Jedi and tries to take over you know we get that glimpse of how overwhelming it is for him and so it's always those moments of weakness when you uh when you're floundering
1: yeah and and I'll build on to what you're saying John about ventress i felt like it's really um in those last moments that you feel like she really thought that that whole time was building up to dooku just wanted his sister back in his life and that's what really broke my heart is that you're going oh ventress nope it's a trap the whole thing is a trap abort it's a trap
0: yeah yeah (laughs) thank you I mean, it is kind of an epic mind frack. I mean, that's exactly what he does to her. Like, he mm-hmm. he just twists everything. And it, you know, what I think that it, it makes um, very interesting is the fact that Dooku is using many of the same psychological ploys that, you know, we, we see Sidious use on Anakin, you know, no. uh, of the ways to twist his mind into... To making the decision that he does, so um mm-hmm. you know I think it's it's really cool and and again i I love like you said, John, we really kind of have Asajj from start to finish now, you know, from uh this and the Clone Wars all the way through to you know what we get in Dark Disciple, um a full incredible character arc of somebody. Starting off in the most awful place, kind of finding some peace with, uh, you know, Kai being turned into an assassin and then finding some kind of redemption through all that is really, really, I, it makes for one of the best, you know, thematic arcs of all of Star Wars, really. Which is yeah. really cool.
2: Asajj is sort of the, um, I, I think one of the, the characters that deserves a lot more, uh, a lot more credit for her complexity and her, like it, it would have been so easy for Asajj Ventress to be a throwaway. Oh, she's just Dooku's lackey sort of thing. And it's such a pleasant surprise throughout just, you know, first the Clone Wars series, but then all together to, to have that richness with it. It's just, it's such a great example of when you, when you lean into it, when you want to go into that sandbox and you want to play in it and what you can discover in there and what you can build is is amazing amazing
1: and i i've got to say you know outside of this with ventress i really love when she you know her anger toward dooku finally builds up to a point to where she has to fight him Mm -hmm. and then you feel that again in this story from the very beginning of, you know, her seething with anger because of the pain that she's in from the lightning he's putting through her. You know, it's just terrible. Yeah.
0: What are you guys, uh, I think one of the things that uh, lastly uh, for me just really stood out was how well this book uh, sets up uh, and, and does the setup for what we get in the phantom menace you know the the ways in which we see the trade federation growing the republic at a rate that you know it the the republic and the jedi can't keep up with the influence it has on trade routes and taxation and protection um you know dooku and palpatine actually meeting because of rail in the book uh i just thought all of that was really fascinating because they they truly do set the foundation for why we see the opening crawl of the Phantom Menace is, you know, the taxation of trade routes, you know, uh, and the, and the, the influence of the trade federation to me,
2: it was great. I mean, I just, I was like, wow, this is such good stuff. And uh, I, I agree on all of those points. Um, but I want to throw a special shout out to the fact that every time we, we encounter sifo You know, when we encountered him in the Clone Wars, uh, you know, when we got more of his story in the Clone Wars, it was, oh, this is really interesting. Oh, gosh. And now to have him the way he is in this book, I desperately want another book because the Kaminoans, I want to find out how much was a lie when they said that he was a leading member of the Jedi Council. Did he go out there and, you know, bluff and bluster? Or was that the truth? Or was that like, that's another one of those little layers that I think is is set. You know, to speak to your point about setting up, I come out of this saying, no, 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 I want more. Give me another one. I need another one now. <laughs> let, let, let's get further down the, the the road here. Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: God, I, I... Just kind of thinking through that now, and I'm like, dang it, I need another book right now.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, and we might get one.
2: Yeah, we
0: could. I mean, and. and and, you know, this is the first time that they had done uh, specifically just an audio drama from Del Rey and Random House. So, you know, this could be something that they continue. Uh, and with the success of this one, I think, story-wise, I would be completely for it. Um, and I'm not normally an audiobook person, but this, the way that they presented this and everything, it created like those old audio dramas that I loved listening to as kids, Um and that I would spend hours listening to, and this this really did that for me as well. So, uh where do you guys come down on this? So, where, it, you know, if you're going to put a rating on it here, you know, five or ten, or between, you know, whatever you want to do, uh, I'm really interested to see what you guys think.
1: So, I, I definitely have to say I found very few drawbacks at all to this negatively for me. Um, I think that. It definitely adds all of this addition to a world that we know has so much in it already. You know, with Dooku um, and with Ventress, it, we just never fully got a fleshed out story, though. And so finally getting to see what it takes in Dooku's life to lead him to being a Sith. Um, and I, I love the moment even because this is an audio drama where you hear Palpatine saying Apprentice mm-hmm. in his creepy voice oh, yeah. uh, because Dooku's having the voices in his head. Yeah. Um. I think is a great foreshadowing. Um, and like I said before, I loved Ventress uh, after I saw her in Clone Wars. So getting more Ventress made me happy. And I liked this way of telling the story with the flashing back and forward and her being like the narrator. So I think that the only thing I would say was a little bit of a negative for me was uh, at times the voice of Dooku sounded more like Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. So that kind of took me, um, made me a little confused at points because I was thinking I was listening to (laughs) Obi-Wan when I knew I wasn't. But, you
2: know, no, 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 I I agree with you. There there are a couple of points where the vocal similarities between um, now, I'll never say that rail was, you know, I always knew who was speaking then. Um, but yeah. uh, like Sifo-Dyas and Dooku during some of the heightened tension scenes and stuff like that, it was like, wait, you know, okay, who, who said that? <laughs> um, yeah. Which is, I, I'm not offering as any sort of, you know, like, you know, harsh knock on anything. It's just, it, it got a little mixed up and it, it maybe the solution was just spacing out their dialogue a little differently or something like that. But I can honestly say that as a fan, I, the, you know, this is A+. plus. This is this is right up my alley loved it loved it loved it um it was something that was engrossing enough that i thought i could get away with listening to it at work uh at my desk and i wound up sort of like spacing out and paying more attention to it than uh than the screen in front of me i was like oh i gotta turn that off um (laughs) so that you know that that's a high compliment i don't think that there's really an entry point for a non-fan um that is you know one of the the drawbacks, but at the same time, this is not at all geared toward a non fan. This isn't the sort of thing where I'm going to say, "Oh, you've never seen Star Wars before? Here, I'm going to use Dooku Lost Jedi and and, and get you on board." This is this is for the initiate. This is for somebody who's along for the ride, and that's fine. And um, so, yeah, high marks. Um, really enjoyed it. Really glad that uh, that I took the plunge with it.
1: And I guess we should give actual numbers. Mine was a 9 out of 10. If
2: oh. Um, mine. Uh, wow, well, I didn't think in terms of. Yeah, 9 out of 10. That sounds good. I'll go with that. I'll copy Christy. That's always a good, it's always okay. a good move. Follow the leader here.
1: <laughs> or I copied you.
2: <laughs> it depends on who had the vision first.
0: i don't know who's having the vision right now this moss is just awful um (laughs) which i i just want to say that up front like there's so many things that we didn't get a chance to talk about that happened Mm -hmm. in this novel because again this 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 audio novel is just jam-packed full of things that would be incredible even on their own to to just talk through um and so i i hope that everybody will pick this up i think it's so worth the listen um i'm gonna go um i'm gonna actually say i feel like this is 10 for 10 for me it's it's uh it's very uh seldom that i give a rating like that but honestly this and master and apprentice have both been at the top of the star wars storytelling game and like you said john You know, this isn't something you give to just anybody, right? But this really is made for the Star Wars fan, and I appreciate that. You know, not everything has to be for the, you know, the fan who's just not really as much into things, but Mm -hmm. this one is really a reward for all the fans who, who want all of that connection, all those little pieces. I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that this is another place where we're talking about relics and and stuff like yeah, that like they just right. keep pulling in all of this stuff and it just I was engrossed I've listened to this twice and I could listen to it again and I still feel like I'd be pulling things out of it and I've got like a page mm-hmm. of like ridiculous like you know Brilliant, you know, beautiful mind
2: notes about this thing. You are
1: drawing yeah. the connections. Um, yeah, drawing the
2: connections. You're gonna wind up like uh, Charlie <laughs> from Sunny, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I just, this is this is fantastic. I mean, this is what I want from uh, Star Wars and its expanded universe fiction. Um, you know, it. Uh, this is what I want from the new canon. I'm so happy that this stuff has been coming out. I'm so happy that. The last three books, uh, and and this audio drama have been in the prequel tr- uh, era. Uh, I think it just shows you how rich this era is. Like it is vast, and there's so much more they could do in it. So I hope that they'll continue. I'm uh, really glad we got a chance to talk about it together. Thank you to our associate producers here through Patreon: kinship Davis Grayson, Daniel Noah, and Ryan Millette for supporting. The 602 Club here through Patreon, as well as the entire network. Uh, you know, Track FM is a large network. We have so much that's coming out each and every week. We can't do it alone. So um, we just ask you, go over to uh, patreon.com slash trackfm and see how you can be part of our team. Um, Every little bit does help, but we have some great contribution levels that give you even more perks uh, for it. And uh, in the end, we want to say thank you to all of those who do support us. And uh, we encourage you to find a way to help us out. Uh, Every little bit truly does help. So, uh, John, it is always great to have you back in the 602 Club, but um, let everybody know, you know, maybe they want to talk some more Star Wars or see what else is going on with you. Where can they find you online?
2: Well, look for Kessel Junkie. That's my name online. Uh, you can go to com and see me being a scamp on my blog. I kind of lurk around Twitter every so often, but mostly active on um, Letterboxd and uh, Goodreads. Um, and you can find me over on the Nerd Party Network, uh, co-hosting two different shows. Uh, one is a delightful romp through 1994 called Retro Perspective that I'm doing with uh, somebody familiar to Truck FM listeners Mike Schindler where we're we're revisiting uh every week in 1994 and all of the releases that are associated with it and um it's it's a pretty interesting experiment so far and I'm also co-hosting a delightful Star Wars show called Aggressive Negotiations with uh somebody else familiar to Truck FM listeners Matthew Rushing
0: Oh yeah that guy And
1: it's awesome Yeah Yeah, huh. yeah.
0: Hey yeah. um so uh Chrissy, you know uh I heard a little thing on the the social media interwebs that um you have some exciting
1: places where people could find you uh just a little bit (laughs) thank you for that uh yeah actually as of today uh which we're recording on may 16th uh launched the next podcast i'm doing actually co-hosting with my friend teresa delgado called sabers and spells oh and uh Yeah, it started because we felt like our, you know, our two biggest fandoms are Star Wars and Harry Potter. But we also just wanted a place to have uh, a really like informal conversation, um, at least bi-monthly talking about all the geek stuff that we love and doing it in a really just like, you know, all of your opinions laid on the laid out on the table. I want to know what they are. And we're going to, you know, either agree or argue and it'll be funny. Awesome. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's great. Yeah. Uh, And then in addition to that, uh, I'm doing uh, once a month uh, Planet Leia, a Star Wars podcast of women on Fanthatrax Network. Um, And that's, like I said, going to be once a month and it's me and five other women from across the world, actually, um, all talking about our experiences with Star Wars. Um, And then, you know, of course, I'm here on the 602 Club with Matt every week, uh, usually. And, uh, usually lurking in the Babel conference. And then last but not least, I do, um, once a month, a five minute segment called fashion in five for the star Wars report. Awesome. Uh, well
0: myself, you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxd here, uh, the name Matt rushing zero two, uh, is the place to go. Uh, you can also find me uh, on the network doing the orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek deep space nine. Uh, you can find me, uh, on the nerd party network with John, of course, as aggressive negotiations, as we mentioned, and I'm doing Owl post with Drake Kaufman, talking about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. And then last but not least, you can find me doing cinema stories with my good friend Courtney. And that's where we talk about films through the lens of faith, but thank you so much
1: for joining us. And may the force be with you. (laughs)